is greater. And we've been talking over the past couple of weeks about embracing change. Last week I shared with you that God's best is better than whatever you could ever dream, imagine, or ever think. How many of you guys, you say it with me this morning, just try this out. What God wants for you is better than it's better. Oh, that was really weak. Wow. Let's try that again. I said that it's better than. That was a little better. One more again. It was better than. What God has for you is better than whatever you could ever imagine, dream, think, no matter how great it is. Sometimes we have our idea of what success is. Sometimes we have in our mind what it looks like to uh, be doing well in life. But I can guarantee you that what God has is better than whatever you could imagine or think. We've been talking about that. We also have been talking about how we need to answer the question of what did God say? Because whenever everything is said and done, all that's going to matter is how we responded to what God said. And we answer that question of what did God say by embracing the truth of his word. We seek to understand, apply, and share his word. And we want to embrace that change in our lives. And we know that whenever we do, it's going to result in his best for us. So this week, we're going to continue along this thread of teachings, talking about embracing change by embracing God's best. I believe that God has better for you than wherever you're at right now. It's better than whatever. Amen? So if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bible this morning to Exodus, the uh, 16th chapter. We're going to read here about the Israelites, the children of Israel. And here's what was going on. For 400 years, these guys have been in slavery to the Egyptians. So you've got cycles that have been repeated over and over. These guys were born into slavery. These guys were treated terribly by the Egyptians, and they've been set free. God set them free. He brought Moses in. You remember uh, the pictures uh, and the movies and whatnot that uh, you've seen Moses with his staff. He lifts up his hand. The Red Sea parts and the children of Israel walk across on dry ground. Did you know that historians say that probably a a good estimate of how many people we're talking about here was 1.2 million people. So when you're talking about crossing the Red Sea, you're not talking about 40 folks, you know, that's walking across the Red Sea. You're talking about an entire nation of people. 1.2 million people crossed over. God led them out of this captivity. These guys are now free, and now they're heading somewhere. God's got better for them than where they're at. Not only does he want them free, he has a promised land for them that he promised their forefathers and has said, this is the place I want you guys to be, which is now known as modern-day Israel. This was the land that was promised to them. That This was their inheritance. And now they're moving from slavery to freedom to now walking to embracing God's best for them. But on the journey, just because they're on the journey and on the way to embracing God's best, doesn't mean that there weren't some hiccups along the way. We see here in Exodus chapter 16, not long after they've been set free from slavery, here's what happened. Exodus 16 and verse 2 says, Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out of this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. 
So immediately after they become free, thank God we no longer have to be slaves. We no longer have to worry about all that stuff. Man, I'm hungry. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I'm hungry too. Hey, why isn't that guy getting us anything to eat? Let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah, let's get a mob together. And they all go and confront him and they say, we're hungry. You've let us out here to die. You see how quickly that they got their eyes off of the fact that God had set them free and how quickly that their eyes got focused on themselves because here's what happens they were crying out not just for food they were crying out for relief from the hunger pangs they were crying out for relief i just need something in my stomach you've led me out here to to die and to the point that they said we would be willing to go back into slavery because at least then we got to eat meat and bread to the full are you crazy you want to go back into slavery just so you can get you a, a, a sandwich? Are you crazy? This is where they were at. This is how focused on themselves they were. This is how much pain that they were having to experience being hungry. Now, here's the deal, guys. God met their need. God came and gave them bread every morning. They just woke up. It was there. They didn't have to do anything for it. Matter of fact, you woke up, oh, look, we don't have to worry about what we're having for breakfast today because it's on the ground. Just scoop up some. But here's the deal. The manna was not God's best. The manna was provision to help them get to where God had for them, to get them to the best. This was the provision of God. This was God giving them relief to their natural body so they could continue on into the place that he had destined for them. But here's how we work sometimes. We think that our needs getting met is the miracle in itself. And we don't see the fact that God is trying to just strengthen us and help us get to embracing his best and where he really wants to go. Because just because your needs are met, just because your needs are met, doesn't mean that you've truly embraced the best. A lot of times we're just like the children of Israel screaming out for relief. I want relief. I'm stressed out. Ah! I'm afraid. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I just want some relief. So we run down to the bar and we get plastered or we, we do some drugs to try to just escape the pain or we grab the gallon of ice cream and we just sit there and just try to make the pain go away, make it stop. We just want relief. We just want to escape because we feel like we're trapped. We feel like we're in a prison. We feel like this is terrible. How I'm, I'm trying to do what Pastor Derek said so far as understanding the, the word of God and applying his word. And, and, and it's, it's still difficult. It's so hard. I would rather just need, I just need some relief right now. I just need some relief. And what happens is that whenever you get that sense of relief, does that mean all of a sudden that crisis stopped? Does that mean that bad things stopped coming your way just because you, you got that little shot in the arm of relief? No, things still keep coming our way. And so what we have a tendency to do is we bounce from crisis to crisis seeking relief. We bounce from situation to situation, a scenario to scenario, from relationship to relationship, looking for something that's going to bring me relief and peace and happiness and joy. And I just, I just can't find it. But every now and then I get it and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then the next morning we wake up and we're like, ah, everything's wrong again. And then we get a little peace. Thank you, Jesus. You may get that check in the mail to help you pay that bill. Praise you, Jesus. 
but you don't embrace God's best. You don't embrace the changes that it's going to take to get you where God wants you to go and apply the principles of how to be a, a good steward of your finances and how to give and tithes and offerings and how to bless others and how to use your, uh, what you've been given with wisdom. And so therefore you find yourself in the same crisis and the same thing again going, God, I just need a little relief. I need a little relief. And what we do during those times is we get super committed to God. We pray, we fast, we repent, we go to church every time the doors are open. Matter of fact, we're outside waiting for the doors to open, demanding that they open because we're just so committed to God during that time. But then we get that relief and like, oh, now I, I can go back to doing whatever I was doing before. It's fine now. And then crisis comes again. And here we go. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm so... And, and we always come to God during our times of crisis. God doesn't just want you to come to him during your times of crisis. He wants you to build that relationship with him to where you can trust him when you're going through the good times and the bad. Amen? You see, but the children of Israel, they weren't trusting in God. They weren't believing that this promised land was going to come to pass. They were more focused on themselves, more focused on their immediate need, more focused on their hurt, more focused on their pain, more focused on getting that sense of relief. Just like Band-Aids bring to children... Band-Aids are the smartest thing ever invented, especially when you put cartoon characters on them because they bring immediate relief to children. My son will fall down and he will try to look for any ounce of blood he can find so he can convince me that there is dire need for a Band-Aid. And if I will get that Band-Aid out, that Transformers Band-Aid, or get my girls the Dora Explorer uh, Band-Aids out, and I put it on their knee or on their elbow, oh, Daddy, that feels so much better. That feels so much better now that you've got that Band-Aid on it. That's what we look for. We look for that band-aid. We look for that relief. But we're not looking for long-term solutions. We're not looking for long-term change. So if we're not looking for long-term change and long-term solutions, then we're really not embracing the best. We're just going from crisis to crisis to crisis, searching for relief just so we can make it along. How many of you know that God's best for you is better than... It's better than whatever you could ever ask or dream or imagine. So if His best is better than anything I could think, then I need to sit, quit sitting around and just dreaming and hoping that all this stuff comes to me. Because we have this thinking, this thinking that if God loves me, then all this stuff is just going to be showered upon me. But we've got to put ourselves in the position where we're embracing His best. Where we're really embracing it and we're pursuing God's best and applying His principles and his word to our life because we can't just go from miracle to miracle to miracle that's not god's best god's best is that you walk in continuous victory amen god's best is that you walk in healing that you walk in financial prosperity that you walk with a healthy marriage that your kids are being raised in the fear and admonition of the lord that's god's best for you god's best for you is that you walk in authority understanding who you are in christ god's best for you is that you are full of joy and that joy brings you strength the god's best for you is that you don't lay around in your bed at night tossing and turning because of all the junk going on at work or home or whatever is causing you pain his best is that you walk in victory and whenever that junk comes, that you immediately meet it with our, your confidence in God and your confidence in His Word. Amen, somebody? Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor Derek. All right. <laughs> you see, the manna was not God's best. You've got to understand that. It was a miracle. Yes, thank you, God, for manna. We had to have it because we needed to be sustained. And God was proving, proving His faithfulness. But it was not God's best. It wasn't their inheritance. 
but it was part of the process. You see, where God's calling us as a church and where he's calling us as individuals, good enough is not going to be allowed to come. And you've got to get this in your mind because sometimes we get this mentality that we just want to get to a place where life is good and things are good enough and we never pursue the best and we get complacent with good. We just accept good. We accept, you know, well, I don't really expect my children to ever really respect me and to really be God-fearing children that I can, you know, uh, not be embarrassed to go, you know, <laughs> take them around town. And, I, I, you know, I, maybe, you know, at least they're, they're decent kids. They're okay. They're okay. My marriage is okay. Uh, we have an okay relationship. You know, we're, we're friendly. We smile at each other. We wink at each other, you know. It, it, we talk sometimes. And, you know, my marriage is okay. Uh, my, my job is okay. I'm an okay employee. My boss is okay. My church is okay. Another pastor, eh, eh, he's okay. They, all this stuff, this is okay, and it's good enough. I guess that's good enough. You know, whenever you're patching something, is that what you want the contractor that you hire to come and fix your commode, you know, whenever he comes over there, or, or to fix your electrical wiring? He'll go, eh, that's good enough. You want the guy doing the wiring in your house to go, well, how, how did it end up looking? Did you get the problem fixed? I, I, I got it fixed good enough. Uh, here's the bill. We'll see you later. You don't want it good enough. You see, but in life, we settle for good enough. But church, I believe that where we're going, I believe that where God's calling us as a church and as individuals, good enough is not invited. Good enough's not invited because we're people of excellence. We're people that are striving for God's best, that are embracing his best. Whatever change is necessary for that best to come, I need to be willing to embrace it because I don't want short-term solutions. I want to be long-term in God's will, established and settled continually, walking in his blessings, his favor, and the victory and authority that he has for me. Amen? I want to continually be seeing God's blessing. I want to continually be seeing lives changed. I want to continually be, see people set free, healed, delivered, all of these things we want to continually see. I want to be flowing and walking in His best and where we're going. Good enough. You're not even allowed on the back of the bus. You can't go. I'm not going to settle for good enough. And we shouldn't settle for good enough when it comes to the things that God has for us. Because God is not a good enough God. He's a great God that has better for you than whatever you thought or you could ever dream or imagine. Amen? Do you believe that? You got to believe that. You got to believe it because he's faithful. His word's forever settled. It's forever true. He wants better for you than you want for yourself. And manna, you've got to understand, was not the promise, but it was sustenance for a season that moved them to where God wanted them to go. We've got to get rid of that good enough relief mentality i just need a little relief i just need a little prayer i just need a little sermon i need a little pat on the back no i need to move and embrace the best that god has for me amen turn over to joshua chapter five you see now here's the stage i'm going to set this for you here in joshua five what happened was now the children of Israel have crossed over yet another river. They crossed over uh, the Jordan River, and they're now in their promised land. They're now in that place that God has said, this is the best I have for you. Now they're in that place, okay? So they wandered in the desert for 40 years. They didn't know where they were going. They were walking around in circles. And you know the sad thing about that is that out of that entire 1.2 million people that left Egypt, 
You know how many people got to actually walk into this promised land? Two. Joshua and Caleb. All the rest of the people that walked in the promised land were that first generation sons and daughters and grandchildren. Out of all of those 1.2 million people, two old guys that hung around and were trusted God, believed he was faithful and trusted in him, those guys got to enter into this promised land. Now, they've just crossed over. They've just entered into the promised land. For the past 40 years, manna has been flowing. For 40 years? Are you kidding me? I don't care what your favorite restaurant is, what your favorite food is. You eat it for 40 years, you're going to get tired of it. You're going to get sick and tired of eating the same thing for 40 years. My wife and I really like Texas Roadhouse. What? Anybody in here likes some Texas Roadhouse? We've eaten Texas Roadhouse in Texas. They just call it Roadhouse there. And uh, I'm kidding. They call it Texas Roadhouse. Well, we love Texas Roadhouse. But if you ate a 12-ounce Fort Worth ribeye cooked medium with all the peanuts you could have, and you ate all the rolls with the, the butter with the cinnamon and sugar in it, all you could eat with a loaded sweet baked potato. Oh, good. What time is it? Okay. <laughs> that sounds good right now, but imagine eating it every day for 40 years. The first week you'd be like, I'm eating steak, yeah. Second week you'd be like, I'm eating steak. Third week you'd be like, whoa. What about 40 years? 40 years. We don't want to eat pizza back to back on the same day. 40 years, the same thing every morning. 40 years. And now here they are in the promised land. They're in that place where God's called them. And this is what happened. This is the first time God has spoken to them since they've walked into this promised land. In Joshua 5 and verse 9, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. And look at verse 12. Then the manna did what? It stopped, it ceased. On the same day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer ate manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan, that year the man is gone 40 years of eating the same thing over and over again it's like kids were being born during that time it's like they they eat manna this is all they know during the morning the morning hours that's all i've ever eaten for breakfast is manna we've gotten really creative with it we make little animals out of it and we make you know uh, all sorts of different shapes with the manna and try to be creative we have manna pancakes and manna waffles and we try to make different little recipes they probably had books so thousand and one ways to cook manna that's all they had for 40 years in the morning that was the staple breakfast food could you imagine you're 40 years old all you've eaten is manna every day in the morning how crazy is that and now all of a sudden it stopped all of a sudden, the thing that God had given you to sustain you and help you get to where the best was, the promise was, has stopped. Why did it stop? It stopped because they tasted of the fruit of the land of the promise. 
So what that means is that whenever you taste of God's best, whenever you taste of better than whatever, whenever you get a hold of it, then you're now responsible to continue in that. We don't like these words, responsibility, and and we don't like these words, change. But here's what God was telling them. He's saying, you've embraced change, you've tasted of my best, but now you're responsible for staying here in this land and maintaining my best. It's our responsibility to not only embrace it, but to continue in it. Because it's not just a one shot in the arm. It's not just something to sustain me. I'm where God wants me to be. I'm walking in his blessing. I'm walking in in a blessed marriage. I'm walking blessed on the job. I'm walking blessed in my relationships. I'm walking blessed at church. I'm walking in joy. I'm walking in peace. And now that I'm walking in God's best, I've got to embrace it and embrace that responsibility I have to continue in it. Because guess what? All the produce, all the fruit of the land, it didn't show up on the ground every morning. There weren't, they, they didn't just wake up and go, okay, where's the, where's the stuff on the ground? Okay, what, you mean, wait a minute. And then you get handed a shovel, and you get handed a rake, and you get handed a water hose. They probably didn't have water hoses back then, but they had something, camels, I guess, come bring them over there. Whatever you hand, we, we now have to garden we now have to rake and hoe and put fertilizer. You, this stinks, literally and figuratively. This stinks. That wait a minute, manna just showed up every day, but manna wasn't God's best. Manna showed up every day, but it wasn't God's best. If I want God's best, that sounds like it's going to take a little bit of work. It's going to take me actually doing something because you see, manna was what God did for the people. Manna just showed up. They didn't have any responsibility other than to just collect it and put it in their mouths. But now, to embrace God's best, it was going to take them actually putting forth some effort, actually taking responsibility over what God had given them. And church, let me tell you, where God wants to take you is better than whatever you could ever imagine or dream, but it's not going to happen just because God wants it. It's going to happen because you are putting yourself in the place God wants you to be. You're embracing the truth. You're embracing change. You're doing the things that God wants you to do to correct the areas of your life, to align yourself with his word, and then you get to partake of the fruit of the land. But you don't just get to do it for a season. Okay, well, I'm glad that's over. Now I can go back to my old life and my old ways because now I've arrived in the promised land. No, you've got to stay in that place, continue in that place, and grow if you want to continue to dwell in that land and grow in it in other words let me break it down for you whatever it took for you to get that peace that you walked in whenever you tasted of that best the, the best God had for you that peace instead of the turmoil of tossing at night in your bed and worrying and fretting and trying to find some sort of peace whatever it took to get you to that place of peace you need to continue in that place amen Oh, I know I'm preaching to somebody in this place today. I said that whatever you had to do to get into that place where you began to see you and your spouse have a healthy marriage where you were loving one another, guess what? You're going to have to continue in those things if you want to dwell in the land of God's best. 
That's pretty simple stuff. Whatever you did to take care of your finances and manage them correctly, be a good steward over those things, you're going to have to continue in that area and grow in that area if you still want to walk in the land of God's best. Right? This is simple stuff. This is easy stuff. But what we want is we want manna. We get whiny for manna. We go, I want God to just do it for me. God feels sorry for me, don't you know? No matter how bad they wanted it, no matter how bad they desired for God to just give them manna, it stopped. It was over. It was done. Why? Because they had tasted of the best. In other words, God knew that they knew how to take care of themselves and how to get in this land where they would be taken care of and how to embrace God's best. God knew that they were going to be able to dwell in that land. And because of that, now they're responsible for continuing in that land. Just like folks in church sometimes. Sometimes we never grow past the point of the manna. Sometimes we never get past the point of the manna. And here's what we do. We go, well, that preacher, he, he used to have the anointing and he used to have the spirit of the Lord and he just ain't got it no more. So I'm going to go downtown across the street, you know, and try to find me somewhere else to go. And we go over there looking for something. We're looking for manna. We're looking for God to do everything for us. And whenever we're not feeling those feelings or seeing those things that we, we want to see, then, then we just go, well, I'll go over here and we chase this revival and we chase this person and we chase that person. And we never endure and we never get grounded and rooted where God wants us and we endure no matter what. We just get fickle and flaky and we just flop all over the place because we're looking for someone to do everything for us. We're looking for someone to fix all of our problems. We're looking for someone to douse us with manna is what we're looking for. But God said, no, 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 no. For you to really embrace life change, for you to really be positioned and placed in the area that is my best for you, that area that's better than whatever, that place that's the best, now that you're here, it's going to be your responsibility to remain in that area and grow in that area. Amen? Now, but that doesn't sound very fun, God. How can your best include responsibility and work and all these types of things? That just, that, that, see, you've got to realize that you're accountable for truth. You've got to realize that you're accountable for that. That means, congratulations, you're welcome. Everything I'm speaking to you today, you're accountable for it. Yay! <laughs> Nobody clapped. That's okay. You all have something in your wallet that you're accountable for as well. Hopefully you have it. You have a driver's license. This, driver license, this driver's license says to hold you accountable to the laws of the land. That means if you run a stop sign and you get pulled over by a police officer and he says, sir, you ran a stop sign back there. Didn't you see a stop sign? You say, no, officer, I didn't see it at all. I, I didn't know I was supposed to stop. You mean that, that, that red octagon with the letters S-T-O-P? I, I didn't know. I just thought that was decoration. I thought it was something that the Kohler's guys did, you know, around here, you know, for decoration. Everything looks so pretty and nice. Is, that's not going to fly. Because this right here says you know what that octagon means. This right here says that you're accountable for understanding speed limit. I thought that was more like a suggestion. No, this holds you accountable. And he says, because what's the first thing that the officer looks for whenever he pulls you over? What does he want? He wants your license. He wants to see your driver's license. Because whenever he, you hand that to him, you're telling him that you know what is right. And you see, folks, whenever we walk in the land of knowing what God wants for us and knowing what his best is and knowing what is right for us, we're accountable to continue in that. 
and not only to continue in it, but to grow. Because whenever the guys first entered into the land of uh, Israel, or what's now modern-day Israel, Canaan land, the promised land, land flowing with milk and honey, when they first entered into that thing, there was a lot of work that needed to be done, even though it was still God's best. You see, if you read further in your Bible, you'll see in Joshua chapter 6 that, that God comes to Joshua and says, Okay, you're here, no more manna, you've got to work, you've got to do some farming now, you've got to do some cooking, it's not just going to fall in your lap every day. But guess what else? There's this town called Jericho. And it's in the city that, you know, I've promised you this land, but you're going to have to have a battle and you're going to have to run these guys out because this is where I have for you, but they've occupied it. But don't worry, I'm going to give you victory over it. Haven't I proven myself faithful before? All you got to do is just submit to me and do what I said. What? Are you kidding me? Are you telling me that God's best is that I wake up, I've got to cook, I've got to do some work, I've got to get out there with a rake and a shovel, I've got to plant seeds, and now you're telling me I've got to go to battle? This is God's best. It was better back in Egypt. And that's what we want to do. We want to go back to where it was easy. We, go, we want to go back to manna. I need some more manna. I'm, I'm ready for some manna, but it's not there because you're already accountable because you've tasted the fruit. You've already encountered and experienced God's best. And he said, no, it's in you. It's in you. I, the word, the truth has already been sown in you. It's in you to walk in this victory. It's in you to walk in this peace. It's in you to walk in this health. It's in you to walk in my best for you. You now have this information. All you have to do is embrace the change and embrace the best and do the things that I've told you to do if you want to remain in it and grow in it. Because there's nothing back in Egypt for you. That's what happens with us as Christians sometimes. Is that we say, this is too hard. I'm trying. I, this, it's not working out. I, I, I'm, just, I'm so frustrated. I'm so afraid. And we throw our hands up in the air. And you, you know what? I'm going to go back to the bar. You know what? I'm going to go back to my mistress. You know what? I'm going to you know, just go back to this and go back to that. And we go backwards and we go back, back, back into the land of Egypt, hoping that we're going to find what we thought we had at one time, which was peace and happiness. And we hope we can go backwards and find the manna again. And we go back and there's nothing there. And we're left empty. We're left empty. And so, well, that wasn't it. So then we go over here and we get so deep into bondage that we were more enslaved then, uh, at that point, than when we were whenever God originally set us free and started us on our journey. We become so enslaved and in bondage to sin. We come, become so enslaved and bondage to all of these things that are holding us back from God's best that we have chosen and allowed in our lives and put on ourselves because we were looking for something and we didn't think it was where God had it. Let me tell you, God's best for you is better than whatever. It is. But there are going to be some battles you're going to have to fight. There are going to be some hard things that you're going to have to go through. And I can say that with a smile on my face. Because I've seen the faithfulness of God. Because I've seen the hand of God. I've seen that He's faithful. I've seen that He's not going to leave you or forsake you. I've seen that the fact that God is going to take you out of the muck and mire and the junk that even we may bring upon ourselves because how many of you know not everything's God's fault and not everything's the devil's fault? Some people go, oh, the devil's after me. Oh, I'm just so sad. Yeah, the devil may be after you because you're the only one who can give him any power at all. He has absolutely no power. All of the authority has been taken away from him other than whatever you give him. 
I'm going to listen to old devil. He's telling me I just ain't worth nothing. Well, my mom and daddy told me I ain't worth nothing, so I guess I'm not. And that's the complete opposite is true. But we buy into that lie. I guess I'm always going to struggle with this sin. I guess I'm never going to be free. I guess my wife and I are never going to get along. I guess that my kids are always going to be crazy. <laughs> that may be true. You can't help it. No, I'm kidding. I guess that, I guess I'm never really meant, I guess I, it just wasn't in the cards for me to be happy. I guess it just wasn't meant for me to be happy. We say things like that. Maybe I'll just settle in the land of good enough. Maybe I'll just go over here because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy over here. Or I remember I was happy back then. Oh, I remember, boy, I was so free. I was so happy. And so we tried to go backwards and we tried to find it. And we're left empty-handed. Because we're not embracing the best. Because sometimes it is going to be tough. Sometimes you are going to have to go through some things, folks. But let me tell you, can I tell you that it's worth it? Can I tell you that he's faithful? Can I tell you that he's not going to leave you? Can I tell you that you're not going to be abandoned? Can I tell you that no matter how difficult it is or how hard it is, that it's worth it? God's best is worth it. Don't you know that no matter how many battles that the children of Israel had to fight, don't you know that however many times they had to go through turmoil and strife, even amongst themselves, that where God brought them and led them into, that it was worth it? And it was better than whatever they had ever imagined or dreamed. Once you've tasted God's best, it's your responsibility to keep it. Mark 4 and 15 says that some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and he takes the word that was sown in their hearts. You see, you can be hearing truth. You can be hearing the word of God. And the enemy doesn't want you to grow. He wants you to be stuck. He wants you to get discouraged and quit and give up. He wants you to walk in depression and fear. He wants you to never move forward and embrace the best that God has for you. He comes immediately. Maybe you've been struggling with some hard stuff. And maybe you've heard a word or God's given you something that you thought, this is for me. That seed, he's going to try to come immediately and steal that word because he wants you stuck. He's going to come and plant that lie. Yeah, you came to church today and yeah, you got pumped up, but you know what's waiting for you at home. And you go, yeah. Oh, well. Or you resume the argument that you and your spouse had when you got out of the car. You know what I'm talking about. It started as something small and it escalated to something stupid. You was in the car this morning coming to church and it started off with where do you want to go eat lunch and ended up something about her mother and something about how you said something and you did something. It ended up there and then you get out of the car and you go, hello, pastor, how are you today? Praise the Lord. Great. Amen. So glad. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm feeling that this morning. Amen. And then you get back in the car. Now, where were we? He comes immediately to steal the word. He comes immediately to steal the word. 
That's why we've got to continue in this and we've got to shore ourselves up and remind ourselves of who we are in Christ, remind ourselves of what God has promised, what God has said, and remind ourselves that it's better than whatever the enemy has for you. It's better than whatever you thought that was the best. It's better than whatever even maybe I'm even telling you because God has great things for you. God has great things for Word of Grace. God has great things for this area that He's wanting to do in us, to us, through us. But let me tell you, Unless we're willing to embrace the change and unless we're willing to embrace the best and align ourselves with what God said, it's not just going to fall on us. It's not just going to fall on us. We've got to be faithful to his word. We've got to grow in our walk with him and do whatever it takes. Somebody say whatever it takes to stay in that place. Whatever it takes to stay there because a lot of times we just look for the relief. We look for the band-aid. We look for that, oh, I'm not hungry anymore. Thank you. But it's not the best. Where the best is is where we're walking in victory, where we're walking in love, we're walking in joy, we're walking in blessings, we're walking in freedom. Amen? Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The enemy may try to overwhelm you with circumstances, with pressure, with doubt, with fear, but you always need to remind yourself, what did God say? What did God say? Because what God wants for you is better than, amen, you ever thought, hoped, or dreamed, but it's your responsibility to move forward. You can't blame the pastor, you can't blame anybody. It's your responsibility to move forward. It's your responsibility to grow. It's your responsibility to take the truth that's given and either allow the enemy to come in and steal it or say, no, you're not getting my seed. You're not getting my truth. We even protect our own, our own natural seed. Whenever we plant a garden or something, people put scarecrows out there. Why? Because they want to protect the seed. Because they want the fruit. If you want the fruit of the message that's been spoken to you today, if you want the fruit of the truth of the Word of God that's been sown in your life, you're going to have to protect the seed. You're going to have to protect the seed. That may mean that you need to stay away from some negative talk because somebody may come talking some crazy stuff trying to steal that seed. You're going to have to stay away from it. And you're going to have to remind yourself of what God said You've got to continually go back to it and go back to it and remind yourself of what God said and get strong in that and get confident in God. You know, at first you might not believe it. At first you may say, I've been struggling with depression, but I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord, I don't believe it right now. I'm not feeling it right now, but I'm believing it and I trust you, God. And you get away from negative talk. You get away from those that are pulling you down, dragging you down, and you walk in this promise. You walk in this truth, and then you begin to understand it. You begin to believe it. Then you begin to experience it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm going to have to rewind that. Because what we want to do so often, guys, is we want to experience it first. And then we want to believe it. That's not how faith works. That's not how faith works. Faith is the evidence of the things that aren't seen. It's the substance of those things that are hoped for. It's the evidence of those things that aren't seen. That's what faith is. So you trust God, not because you feel like it. You believe Him for joy. You believe Him for peace. You believe Him for reconciliation. You believe Him for forgiveness. Whatever it is that, you're, that you need from God, you trust Him before you feel it. And whenever you trust Him and you walk in it and you get grounded in it, you may have to go through some junk, but you won't waver. You're not going to allow Satan to steal the seed because he comes immediately to try to get it. And you say, no, I'm protecting the seed. I'm reminding myself of what God said because in the end, that's all that's going to matter is what did God say? And then when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him, and that standard is His Word. 
And that means when he comes in like a flood, you're holding on to that word, you're protecting that seed, and then you have a breakthrough moment where you experience it. Now I feel joy. Now I feel peace. Not the other way around. I walk in it by faith. I walk by faith and not by sight. And that's how we embrace God's best. We do it by faith. Even if there are battles, even if there are struggles. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know everybody's individual circumstance, but guess what? God does. You believe that? I believe God knows exactly what's going on in your life right now. And he knows exactly what you need. And you're going to have to embrace that truth. You're going to have to embrace whatever change is going to be necessary for you to make. Because it's your responsibility to embrace the best and to continue in it and to grow in it. Oh, and that truth is going to set you free. That truth is going to change the face of our church. That truth is going to change the face of Sheboygan County and all the other surrounding areas. That truth, and that yes, embracing that truth is going to change the face of this world if we just really believe that what God says is true. If we really believe it. Do you believe it this morning? Amen. Bow your heads this morning. I don't know where you're at, but God does. He sees your heart, He sees your life, He sees your circumstance, and He wants better for you than you want for yourself. He wants better than whatever you could imagine or think or dream. But you're going to have to align yourself. And maybe there's somebody here this morning that says, Pastor Derek, I'm just struggling in my trust with the Lord because the circumstance, the situation is too big. It's just too big. It seems overwhelming. It's just, it's really just making me just really freak out, losing sleep. I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to trust God. I'm trying to trust God and I want to trust Him and I want to protect that seed. I want to grow, I want to do better, I want to walk in His favor, I want to walk in the promised land that He has for me. But I'm just weary from all of the battle scars, all of the emotional battle, all the turmoil. I just need somebody to pray for me. If that's you this morning in this place, I just want you to lift your hand up and just put it right back down. Anybody in this place, say, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come if I see these hands all over this place. All over this place, hands are lifted. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed. I just want to know that you're here. That's all. I see those hands. You can put them right back down. Pastor, I just need somebody just to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you this morning. And I want you to know that we're here for you to help you walk whatever you're going throughout. We have Pastor Mike and Maureen that run Celebrate Recovery. If you need help in any area in Grief Share, or if you just need somebody to talk to, you can come and talk to me as your pastor or someone that you know is a good godly man or woman, and we want to help you walk through whatever's going on. Don't fall into the trap of feeling like you've got to go through this alone or this is so terrible that you're just going to be completely isolated. That's, that's not what God wants. He he wants you to be surrounded by folks that love you, that care about you, that want to see you do well and grow. And that's what we want to be as a church for you. So I'm going to pray for you this morning. God, I just thank you for those who are struggling, that lifted their hands and just acknowledged that they were here. Father, even those that may have not lifted their hands, maybe they just didn't even want to acknowledge that because they're just so weary and tired. God, I ask you right now that you would just extend mercy and grace their way. And I pray, Father, that you would comfort them and that you would encourage them and strengthen them. Father, and I pray that the things that they need to do 
to correct and to amend and to fix whatever situation they're going through, that you help reveal it to them, Father, and that you give them the strength and the boldness and the courage to do what they know they need to do, even if it's as simple as asking someone to forgive them, even if it's as simple as coming up to someone and saying, I need help because I'm struggling with this addiction or this problem, or I'm hurting emotionally and I just need somebody to talk to. Father, help them to be softened in their hearts, to not be full of pride and wonder what everybody thinks about them, but let their hearts be softened to seek out, Father, godly counsel, godly wisdom, and just comfort them, Father, strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, just keep your heads bowed just for another minute. I need to ask another question about embracing the best together as a church. We've got an opportunity to respond to that truth, the truth of making Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. Maybe you've never done that before. You said, I, I, I've never truly put my faith and my trust in God. Or maybe you have at one time and you said, Pastor, I, I've done it, but, but I've fallen away from God and I just want to renew my commitment to Him and just say, I'm ready to get serious. I'm ready to make this real. I'm ready to make this right. And I'm ready not just to say a prayer, but I'm, I want to mean it this time. If that's you in this place, I just want you to lift up your hand. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just lift your hand up and put it down. I just want to know that you're here. I see those hands. Hands lifted all over this room. I see that hand. You can put it right back down. Anybody else in this place today? Church, if you would, say this prayer with me this morning. Say, Dear Jesus, I make you my Lord. I make you my leader. I choose to follow you. I choose to accept that what you did for me on the cross by taking my sin, by taking my shame, and I accept you as my Lord, and I declare it was good enough for me, for my family, and I choose to follow you. I'm ready to get serious with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.